So, Dan, what a year it's been, hey? Well, it only feels like 12 months since we were last here counting down our top 10 albums of the year. And here we are again. Here we are again, uh, right at the end of the year. And as ever, uh, this we've left it as late as possible, just in case someone's going to surprise drop something in our laps. But I think it's safe to start the countdown now. Yes, it's December. Q4 has almost been and gone. Surely... I mean, Will, can you imagine if Pet Shop Boys release an album next week? We'll be absolutely fuming, won't we? Uh, fuming, but then we'd quickly pivot into making that our first episode proper of 2024. And that's a track-by-track track guarantee. But no, the pop music gods have uh, smiled on us and blessed us over the last 12 months. And so much so, it's been so hard to narrow down our top 10 this year. I'm sure we said the same thing last year as well. But this year, we both compiled our top 10 albums of the year. And then through a bit of, little bit of fairy dust, a little bit of jiggery-pokery uh, and a calculator and a protractor, uh, you worked out what our combined top 10 was. Yes, I worked it out with a pencil and we, here we have uh, some wonderful results. Uh, Dan, question for you. No, joke for you. Mm-hmm. Actual joke this is. Oh, okay. Did you hear about the constipated maths teacher? Yes. Good. No, sorry, no. Uh, and, uh, uh, he worked it out with the pencil. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yes. So how did you work out our top 10, combined top 10? Very complicated points-based system, Will. So yes, we each compiled our top 10 albums. We scored them. So 10 points for our number one album, one point for our number 10 album. We compiled those together. And then here we have the ultimate track-by-track top 10, some of which we both voted for, some of which just one of us voted for, uh, did I say voted for then? Voted, yes. Some of which we both voted for. And of course, that means some didn't quite make the top 10 as well. Oh, yes. Good point. So I've got a couple that I would have loved to have seen in the top 10, which you somehow managed to work out or work out of the way. Uh, so one that I loved this year, and I think I've been trying to get you to listen to Chapel Roan, and The Rise and Fall of a Midwest Princess, which is just a phenomenal collection of songs by such an exciting new talent. Totally fresh attitude, perspective, cross-genre, uh, some brilliant tunes on there. So that's that's not in the final top 10. Also, uh, I'm surprised we haven't had this out, but I did put Sugar Babes, The Lost Tapes, on here, and I was expecting a message from you to say, actually, that was at the end of 2022. <laughs> Well, I did have to check in, actually, with the official Pop Podcasters Association. And they did confirm for me that the albums can have been released um, in December of the previous year for end of year countdowns. So that was valid. And that does cover us as well for this year. If something amazing does surprise drop in December as well. It means we still get an opportunity to to rate it. Hmm. Uh, but Dan, what, what, what didn't quite make the cut from your selection? The one that just missed out was Gorilla's album Cracker Island from this year, which was an incredible Greg Kirsten produced album that saw Gorilla's returning to a kind of shinier, poppier sound. We might hear from them on the top 30 tracks of the year next week or the week after, but that's a great album. And also Lana Del Rey's album. So not an artist we've talked about in depth on Track by Track before. Doesn't feel like an obvious track by trackable artist but i'm a huge 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 fan loved the set that she managed to turn up for at glastonbury this year 
Um, and the album, Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard, was a wonderful collection. I love a, I love an album or a single that's a question. I don't know, just something quirky about it. Mm, agreed. And now, Will, here's a question for you. Mm. Are we going to hear the theme music at all this episode? Yeah, let's let's get into it, shall we? Hello. Hello. You're yes, we're here. <laughs> Track by Track's Top 10 Albums of 2023 with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we count down our favourite 10 albums of the year. And I've got to say, a very track by trackable bunch of artists have ended up in the top in the final top 10. These, this is a mix of new artists, um, established artists releasing their next great opus, and some huge comeback albums uh, where people have been off, off work for a long period of time. Signed off sick for a long period of time. Mm. And it's always exciting, isn't it? We love this time of year. We love the end of year, the Christmas celebrations and everything that goes with that. But we love the countdowns and looking back on an amazing year for pop music. And every year, I love putting this list together and I love just seeing how well it represents what we both love about music, what track by track is. Especially, as we said at the start, some of these albums, the other one didn't actually include in their top 10. But I think we can both agree that they're worthy, uh, not contenders, worthy entries in the top 10. Uh, and similarly to when we count down our top 30 songs of 2023 coming soon, uh, because we haven't done the new music drop this year, uh, just overstretch ourselves, mm. always, always. So we've had to rein back some of our content creation this year. But uh, a lot of tracks on these albums, whether they were singles or buzz tracks or album tracks, we weren't we will be talking about for the first time today and on our top 30 songs uh, episode because we haven't um, haven't talked about them before. Do you know what? I didn't actually think about it that way, but you're absolutely right. Every one of these albums will have had a track release that would have absolutely been on the new music drop. Uh, it's still going as a playlist, of course, so they probably have featured on there. Uh, Dan, Christmas is coming as we're recording this as well, which is, and it's great. The, this helps build our excitement because we both love Christmas very much. So I know you're in spending lots of money on pop baubles. Yes. Uh, and also your Christmas present arrived today. Oh, really? Is it a pop bauble? Mm. It's not a pop bauble because I know you like spending your own uh, well-earned money cash. on those. Hard on cash. Uh, the, the bauble we're referring to is the Spice World Christmas bauble. I don't think I've ever purchased anything so quick in my life after seeing it on uh, an Instagram story. I just clicked that link and got it straight in my basket. And thanks to the ease of Apple Pay, it was done before I could even think about it. This has not been a paid promotion. This has been a paid promotion <laughs> from Apple. Anyway, we're babbling, so we should probably just get stuck into our countdown, shouldn't we? We should. We've got 10 amazing albums to talk about. Will, do you want to kick us off with... How about number 10? Yes, number 10. Oh, this is such... If this is number 10, what are the other nine going to be like? Ten, number 10, Sparks were back with a brand new album. Uh, the Girl is Crying in a Latte. And that's our number 10 album of 2023. The Girl is Crying in a Latte, yeah. The Girl is Crying in a Latte, sad. 
So a little bit of the title track there, uh, which is also called The Girl Is Crying In A Latte. This was the 25th studio album uh, to be released from Sparks and their first for three years. They've been pretty consistent, uh, maybe less so in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, but they have been releasing albums uh, intermittently since way back in the 70s, unbelievably. Uh, they are like the older cooler american cousins of pet shop boys aren't they cooler they i don't know there's something about them dan that just is really so effortlessly cool uh and sort of arty and uh a bit kind of avant-garde with a lot of the stuff they do uh, this album is no exception because this is a fantastic collection of cross genre pop songs which, you know, start off with quite the, the title track, quite a wall of sound of like heavy synths to things that that go into guitar, pop, rock, very lo-fi dance music as well. You get it all on this album. And whereas in the past with Sparks, uh, often an album was very much a style or a theme. Uh, this is a real mix. And it's probably my favourite Sparks album since Gratuitous Sex and Senseless Violins in 1994. Oh, really? That's interesting. Mm. And that is an incredible one, isn't it? Of course, that's the only one we've been tracked by track through so far, but I think there are a couple of anniversaries coming up next year, so maybe more Sparks on track by track. As always, brand new episodes will drop on Patreon first. A good few years before you get them elsewhere, actually. But on this one, I completely agree with you. I think it's it really shows the range of Sparks. Range. And... Darling. It sounds really lazy to say it's a very Sparks album because they've done so much over such a lengthy career and they've experimented with so many different sounds. But what they do, they do so well, this whole quirky, whimsical, experimental pop music this i think just encapsulates it and what i think is really great about the timing of it as well is that this is the first album since the film the sparks brothers was released which i think kind of they were always celebrated and as shown by the amount of incredible people that took part as talking heads on the film but i think it kind of reignited um a passion for sparks in the music press and I think it probably introduced a lot of people to Sparks as well. I mean, I have to say, I knew of Sparks, but I didn't know how incredible that story was until seeing that film. And you mentioned, you know, the music press. They've been uh, they've been over here this year. They have uh, perform- performed some live shows. They've done, they did Glastonbury. I had a wonderful solo experience at Glastonbury seeing them. And I was mesmerised just seeing them physically there on stage in front of me. Uh, which is one of the wonderful things that you can do at Glastonbury, uh, not to rub it in, uh, Dan, sorry. Didn't get tickets. Uh, a time of recording, yeah, we've just had the ticket sale uh, and many people we know have not been successful, but uh, they performed brilliantly and you also had a guest appearance from Kate Blanchett who was in the video for the title track from the album and also Edgar Wright did come on, pop on stage at the end as well. 
Oh, he did. Yes, the director mm. of the film, which I, I forgot to mention his name. Um, yeah, what I didn't see that I think they did they clash with Arctic Monkeys. I think so. Love Sparks, but decided to see Arctic Monkeys headlining. But I haven't seen Sparks live yet, so I must take that off the list because not only did I miss them at Glastonbury, I missed them at the Royal Albert Hall earlier this year as well. Oh, that would have been an incredible place to see Ron and Russell. Mm. Uh, and Dan, just to just to remind you and everybody else, Russell is uh, the vocalist, the frontman. Ron, much more uh, the uh, doing keys, synths, uh, and all and all that sort of thing as well. He, you don't really hear him say much, do you? No. Silent Assassin. Now. Obviously, the title track on the album is fantastic, but there are so many other wonderful moments on there. Probably one of my favourites is We Go Dancing. Uh, Again, just so them, so unique. And I love the fact that the last track on the album is called uh, Gee, That Was Fun. Yeah. It's just an incredible collection. I also love the fact that, again, following the film, following everything that came before that, this album saw the band re-sign with the legendary Island Records record label, uh, who released four of their albums from uh, Kimono, My House, Propaganda, Indiscreet, uh, to Big Beat. They announced in January that they'd re-signed with Island. Uh, this first single, uh, as you said, the title track, was released in March. Uh, and then we got Veronica Lake in April. Nothing is as good as they say it is in May. And then the album a couple of weeks later and then the shows. So it's a really nice campaign to see kind of that return to one of their older record labels. And then there's the steady drip, 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 if you like, of singles that came after that. Also, Will, really pleased to say this was a hit. It was a number seven album in the UK. Great. Uh, I don't think, I think they're not running out of steam anytime soon. And I love the fact that they love music and love performing and that we'll definitely hear more from them. So our number nine album of 2023, another legendary act. It's Depeche Mode and Memento Mori. That's a bit of my favourite stranger there from Memento Mori. Now, this is Depeche Mode's 15th studio album, but it's the first since their founding member, Andy Fletcher, passed away. So it's the first that sees Depeche Mode as a duo of Dave Gahan and Martin Gore. It's also the first since 2017 Spirit, so quite a gap between albums. And I have to say, for me, a new Depeche Mode album is always something exciting and something to be celebrated. They're a band that we love on this podcast. We've spoken about them a few times and many more to come, I'm sure. But compared to the last few albums, which I've enjoyed a lot of, but not all of, this album I enjoy all of. And I've I've been playing this from start to finish and then pressing play again as soon as it's finished because I just think it's such an incredible, complete collection. Yes, that's and that's definitely what sticks out for me is when this album really draws you in, you know, some of it is very low played, um, more kind of uh, minimal uh, electronica. 
and it is designed i think to be played in in its entirety and enjoyed you know as 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 a sequence of 12 tracks and this it's i enjoy the fact that depeche mode you know like you say we've talked about them a lot so many iconic big songs this is a little bit more introspective darker definitely as well and it's also paying tribute obviously to uh, who they've lost and the cover of the album is two pairs of wings like a memorial floral display and it's album artwork absolutely stunning stunning oh you got me worried then when we were talking about album artwork on this episode <laughs> christ <laughs> we're not doing that today it's no. fine and the album was hinted at last August. So a photo was shared online of Dave and Martin in the studio. A huge hint that they would be carrying on as a duo, that there's new music to come. And then in October of last year, quite old school, actually, they held a press conference. Do you remember those? And announced <laughs> the album, the name of the album, and they announced a tour as well. But then we had a short while to wait because it was in February of this year when we got the lead single, Ghosts Again. And I remember it's one of those moments where the track was released and I had to send it to you. You know, if we both really love a new track, we send it to the other, like, I, I can't, mm. can't get over this. It's so good. And I was playing, I was actually in Berlin at the time and I was just playing this over and over again. Um, and then we got the album in March followed by three more singles. So Wagging Tongs, Speak to Me and My Favourite Stranger. And Wagging Tong, interestingly, was written by both Martin and Dave and it's only the fourth song in Depeche Mode's history that they have collaborated on. That is very surprising, isn't it? Yeah. Martin, of course, doing the bulk of the songwriting. Dave contributing some tracks to every album. But yeah, the rare occasion where they're doing it together. And I guess it's kind of, you know, it's Ghosts again. It's the first album post-Andy. I guess it's kind of them coming together as a duo, as Depeche Mode, for the future. I love that immediacy of music sometimes where we hear something or see somebody's got a new track out and it's immediately you share it with me i i send it to you and it's just something about loving music mm. that, that that moment particularly like when you get it in the middle of the day maybe you're having a shit day at work or maybe you know the dog's pissed up the walls or something just in that moment you get that amazing new track from an artist you love that you didn't know was coming and it's just a few minutes of pure joy pure joy and Someone who helped with that pure joy, the producer of the album, was James Ford. Uh, he worked on their last album, Spirit. We've spoken about him quite a few times on Track by Track. He's worked with Claxons, Little Boots, Foles, Kylie. And also, currently in the studio with Pet Shop Boys, working on their new album. I don't think we're going to see it drop before the end of the year, but I do think we can expect it next year, Will. Just, just, just release a song. Just get a song out there, please. Hint of a tease. Please. Oh, yes, please. Something to look forward to in 2024. And also, well, this album, Memento Mori, number two in the UK. Okay, we're moving on now. Our eighth favourite album this year. She's had an amazing year. Jessie Ware. That feels good.
Okay, that was a bit of Jesse and the iconic, still love it, still absolutely incredible song, Free Yourself, which Dan, actually, we got a long, a long, long time before we got this album. Uh, Jesse had a, a long, a lovely, long, lengthy lead in to the album. Uh, that feels good. This was released in April, but... Free Yourself was actually released in uh, nearly a year earlier in July 2022. And I love that we got that then because I think obviously we had had What's Your Pleasure in 2020 and then we'd had a deluxe version of that the year afterwards. So I don't know about you, but I thought knowing how busy Jessie is with, of course, the Table Manners podcast, she's a mum, she's just been on a Greek island filming Mamma Mia, I Have a Dream. I thought, oh, it's going to be probably a, a few years before we get more, certainly another studio album from uh, Jesse. And then, yeah, just a few months after that, What's Your Pleasure campaign had really wrapped up. Here she was with a new track. And then just a few months later after that, we got more. We got Pearls. We got Begin Again uh, in April. Uh, and then we got the album just after that. And we've had two singles since that as well. And she's just completed a UK tour. So she's nonstop, isn't she? She is, and surely uh, by the end of next year, there won't be uh, a queer man in the UK that hasn't seen Jessie Ware live, uh, either at a festival, uh, a PA, or uh, on her tour as well. Uh, she is giving us everything, which is fantastic. And what she gave us with this album, I thought was a wonderful continuation and evolution of What's Your Pleasure, where, yep, you've still got some of the disco themes in this album, but this is something much more, much more, much dif more different. Uh, it's very polished still, but she's almost kind of going into other styles, whether that be kind of soul or funk, more disco, more dance music as well. It's, for me, her most personal album in there's loads of character there's loads of um great lyrics in this it's a bit saucy mm -hmm. as well and i love the th to think this is something that she's been working up to i love as well that it's a 10 track album it's just an explosion of as you said disco and all these other genres merging into it it's a it's so much fun this album as well like with those tracks like free yourself and pearls you know you just want to dance to it and an amazing team behind this one as well so some of the tracks produced by james ford of course we just spoke about but also some produced and co-written with stuart price of course one of our all-time favorite producers so an absolute dream team working on mm. this and what they've created you know it's, for me with stuart price it's always a bit like oh god he's done so much good stuff has he still got it in him and then we yes he has uh, can i just mention mamma mia that singing competition yes uh, which I don't think has captured the hearts and minds of the nation in the same way that other previous shows like that have. Uh, maybe it's because Andrew Lloyd Webber's not there sat on the throne. I don't know. But uh, the obviously the prize is uh, the two uh, younger characters' roles. Uh, Sky and in... Sophie. Yes. Well, the male, mem the male person has got a much smaller part, so it's not fair. Oh, yeah, good point. But still, what a great opportunity for them. Just think positively, Will. It's my new, my new thing for the end of the year. I mean, yeah, getting getting it. I mean, you'd be happy to get a part on the West End stage. I'm more, more than happy with that, yeah. 
I was mm. going to apply um, because the age bracket was something like up to 25. But I thought I could probably pass for that. Anyway. Anyway, how did this album do? This album got to number three in the UK. Incredible to see Jesse doing so well. Um, and also we've spoken about the tour and what's coming up next year. She's just been announced as a headliner for Mighty Hoopla. I cannot wait for that set. I remember seeing her there two or three years ago. I think she was on just before the headliner. And it was one of my favorite sets of the day. I think there's something to be said about Mighty Hoopla. I, I love the Mighty Hoopla. I've been going for many years and hope I'd go for many more years. There's always some incredible nostalgia there. There's some wonderful pure pop. But also there's something about an act like Jessie Ware with the band, with the backing singers, kind of giving it that full musical experience as well. Um, and yeah, that's going to be one hell of a set. Hope she's got some surprises up her sleeve, actually. Oh, God, Dan, it's not enough for you, is it? Just for her to come out and perform no. an amazing set. I always want more. There's got to be a surprise cover, a surprise guest, a lovely medley, a different interpretation of a song that she's uh, had had around for a while. This is the problem these days. People always want more. Speaking of, should we move on to the next album? Yes, yes. So our seventh favourite album of 2023 is S.G. Lewis and Audio Lost and Higher Love. So a bit of lifetime there from Audio Lust and High Love, S.G. Lewis's second solo album arriving just two years after his debut time. And this was a really incredible way to start the year. This was released in January. And also what a treat for us because we actually spoke to S.G. Lewis on an episode to talk about the album. We did. It was absolute sweetie and very generous with his time and so passionate about what he does. He is a writer. He is a producer. He is a DJ. He is a singer uh, and instrumentalist. And I love that for him, that he has put so much of himself into this album and so, you know, in control of it. And it feels like his voice is coming through more than ever on these songs, which are very personal you know, it's definitely an album of two halves. You've got some harder dance beats, but then you've also got some love songs in his own wonderful dance style as well. And yeah, it was great to talk to him and understand kind of the journey he's been on. Uh, but this album, a big, big piece of work, this album as well. You know, fantastic. Yeah, a double album uh, and a solid double album as well. Another one, I mean, I think you can say this for all the albums we've got on this top 10, but one that you can just play start to finish and enjoy every second of it there's been some great singles from this in fact uh as with jesse actually last year early last sorry july last year so mid last year we started getting hints of teasers of what to expect from this so missing you and something about your love were released on the same day and we got some more singles uh, over the rest of the year before this was released in january we also got lots of special guests tovlo was on there of course tovlo he produced some of the tracks on dirt femme which was one of our top 10 albums of last year uh, and some of his other previous collaborators but yeah it's just it's he's just the creme de la creme of poppy synth focused 
dance music that leans into these different spaces as well. But as a collection, it just works so, so well. But this album did not do very well in the UK. And I just think maybe it was about the time of the year it was released. Maybe I know when we spoke to him, he was in L.A. because he lives there now. But from Reading originally, so local lad, uh, maybe he could have spent more some time in the UK promoting it. And I know he's he's been, you know, up there on the kind of uh, evening talk shows performing uh, and gigging all over the world. But surely his core base in the UK could have benefited from seeing him a little bit more in the run up to this album coming out. I think so, because not long afterwards, he toured the UK and I saw one of the dates. Really amazing show. And I remember thinking, God, this would be fantastic at Glastonbury. And I kind of assumed he'd be there, which he wasn't. He was at Coachella earlier in the year, again, over in the US, not here in the UK. But yeah, not only did it not do very well, this album actually didn't chart in the UK. And I just find that absolutely bonkers because this is an artist who, you know, has produced some official remixes for Whitney Houston and the Bee Gees, who's worked with Dua Lipa, Mabel... Uh, Jesse Ware as well. His last album got to number 48. And also, this is the act of everyone that has actually featured and guested on Track by Track. I think Ashley Lewis is the act that a lot of my friends were just completely wowed that we had him on the podcast. They, you know, they hold him in such high esteem. So I just don't get why the album, again, not, not just didn't do well, did not chart in the UK. Well, please, if you haven't listened to this album... It's in our top 10 of the year, so do listen to it uh, and find out why we're blathering on making such a fuss about it. Mm, Please do. And check out the episode as well. You check out the episode uh, to give some wider context to him uh, and the album. Okay, so we are on to our sixth favourite album of the year. This was a moment. Big comeback from a dance duo who I have loved uh, since I was in small trousers. No, (laughs) Short trousers. Shorts. It is everything but the girl. And the album was Fuse. Kiss me while the world decays. Kiss me while the music plays. Kiss me while the world decays. Kiss me while the music plays. Kiss me while the world decays. So that was a little bit of Nothing Left to Lose, which was our the first single, the first new music we got from Everything But The Girl. This is a very cohesive 10-track album. If you loved everything that they've done before uh, and love your dance music, thoughtful, expertly produced, uh, and a little bit more on the lo-fi mode, this is definitely an album to listen to in its entirety. It's only 10 tracks, I uh, wish it was more, uh, 35 minutes of your time. But again, the, the electronic soundscapes and Tracy's voice are just stunning together. And I was obsessed with Nothing Left to Lose uh, when it came out. Uh, and then when we heard more tracks, no, no One Knows We're Dancing on the album is a wonderful song. But some other brilliant ones in there as well. Um, Caution to the Wind as well. Love that one. But yeah, this, so pleased to see them back. It's amazing to see them back together. Yeah, almost a quarter of a century since their last album. And of course, they're both 
musicians with solo projects. They've collaborated over the years. And if you didn't know, they're husband and wife. So they are going to be a part of each other's working lives as well as their private lives. Not to get too, you know, in depth in their private life. That's private. But I love this idea that over the last 20 plus years, they have been listening to music together, been making music. They've, you know, they strike me as the kind of people that, and I put them in the same box as Saint Etienne or Pet Shop Boys. They just adore pop music and they just love mm. like collecting it and they just love creating it and they love to be inspired by it and they love shaping it. And I just love this idea that after all this time of doing that and living together and having music in their lives, they decided, oh, okay, actually now now is the time that maybe we should do something together again as everything but the girl. And the outcome, I guess with any act who releases something after so long, there's always trepidation. It might not work anymore, but this is such a strong album. Hence why it's our sixth favorite of the year. As you said, those four singles released ahead of it from January to April were all perfection, all showcasing slightly different sides of the group. I mean, it was a long time for them to be away. Well, we missed them like, well, I can't think of a good simile, but uh, we missed them. <laughs> I always think of everything but the girl, and you'll like this, Dan, as the electronic uh, Paul Heaton and Jackie Abbott. Oh, I love that. And I think they'd love that as well, actually. Both parties. Yeah. Uh, both, and I imagine they both respect each other's work because they're all lovely people, aren't mm. they? What I'm hoping is, I've never seen them live, so I'd love to see them live, number one, for 24. Also, that this isn't the last we're going to hear of new music from them either. Yeah, don't keep us waiting 24 years again, please. But likewise, would love they, didn't, they haven't toured the album, um, so I'd love to see them live, love to see them at festivals. And likewise, never seen them live before. Also, Will... Very pleased to say this did well in the UK. This was number three. Excellent. So next up then into our top five. And it's a debut solo album as well. It's Romy and Midair. So a bit of strong there from Romy with Fred again. Um, this album is just phenomenal. Romy, of course, we know as one of the voices of the XX. I love the XX. I've been waiting a long time, like we all have, for a new album from them. But I was so pleased that we had it. In fact, I'm pleased we haven't had the XX uh, over the last few years and that Romy was working on this because it's such a phenomenal collection so many track by track favorites on there fred again as mentioned you've got Stuart price jamie xx of course brian eno uh you've got i, I never know how to say your name uh, isley isley juba uh she co-wrote mark ronson and miley cyrus's nothing breaks like a heart and beyonce's all night but together collaboratively they all come together with romy and just it's better than i thought it was going to be will it's incredible Yes, like S.G. Lewis, Romy is, she's performed, written and produced this album. Uh, somebody who, you know, loves music. This is the first time uh, we have seen something from her solo. 
And it says a lot about how exciting a prospect an artist is, a new artist is, when they can attract that calibre of support when they're branching out uh, on their own. And this album, it's fantastic for me because it's a dance album, but it's also a pop album. It's also, even though it's a dance record, extremely emotive. And there are some songs that just get me right in the gut which is which are just it's not easy to do that strong which we played a clip of which has been around for a while still uh makes me feel all funny in the in the tummy because it is like a uh a very melancholy uh but banging song which we love on track by track uh there's you know you've got some some tracks on here that are real rave ups but you've got some other ones on here that are so tender uh, and you know about romance and love, uh, Roby. I, Roby. <laughs> it's also great to see Romy as a queer person who wears that proudly, talking about making songs uh, that celebrate her background, her passions, uh, and you know where her musical experiences and uh, experiences of love first started out, i.e., on the dance floor. I love from the off, from the first few lines of the first song, you just know how personal this album is going to be, and then yeah, it doesn't let up from there. It's just such um, paints such a picture of Romy, and I think she she's always seemed like such an endearing person, and uh, definitely left this album after that first listen definitely left kind of with a new fan respect for her as much as I always had respected her as an artist and as a person what I love about this album as well Will is that it's so different to the XX's sound you know we've heard her on three mm. of their albums um, with that kind of quite minimal electronic indie kind of shuffle of a sound but this, she went into this wanting to make something that was like 2000s dance pop, trance pop. She was inspired by, in, inspired, I said there, that's half influenced and half inspired uh, by Calvin Harris, but also by Everything But The Girl, which I love. That's a lovely link. Ah. Also, I think the vocal style of Tracy Thorne and Romy, not too dissimilar. Yeah, they've both got, Romy's got a fantastic voice as well as you know, being in control uh, in the studio and being an an, in, an instrumentalist uh, herself, her voice is amazing as well. And that's what gets me in the feels a lot of the time is her voice and her delivery of these songs. And we're not the only ones who loves it, Will. This got to number 15 in the UK. Okay, our fourth favourite album of 2023. Uh, and Dan, big smile on your face, I can see already... It's Duran Duran who are back very recently, actually, uh, with Dance Macabre. So that was a little bit of the title track from the album, which for me is probably one of the most interesting uh, 
original tracks on the album, Dance Macabre. But Dan, I'd love to get your thoughts on this straight away as a huge Duran Duran fan. This concept album, uh, what did you think? Absolutely loved it. But as you say, yeah, it's a concept album. It's a Halloween-themed album. And I just love that it saw the band almost pausing. You know, it was only, it's only been two years since their last studio album, Future Past, which was one of our albums of 2021. It was five or six years between that and Paper Gods, the album that came before. So we're used to big gaps between albums with them now because, of course, they tour the world for a couple of years after each album. They have a break. But this, just two years later, and it's great because it... They didn't need to write a full 12 tracks or whatever. They decided that as this Halloween-themed album, they had their own material that they could rework. They had covers that they'd played at their Halloween gig in Las Vegas last year, which is what inspired it. And But of course, they did want to create something new as well, so there's three new tracks. I love it as a whole collection. I love the reworked stuff. I love the cover versions. And the new tracks, as you just heard there, the title track, uh, also Black Moonlight, just two killer upbeat new Duran Duran songs. It's Duran Duran. Of course, I'm going to love it, but it's not Mm. just because it's them. I really enjoy this as a project. What I really enjoyed about this album was some of the very surprising covers that were on here. And the one that stands out most for me is the Supernature cover, which I really enjoy. I love the Cerrone original. It is a legendary dance track. Absolutely, you know, iconic in... That sound can only be one thing, but I'm, I do enjoy. I know, I don't know what I, how I thought I would uh, respond to a cover of that song by Duran Duran, and maybe I never thought I'd need to. Mm. But it is very much its own thing. I love as well that it was only a few weeks ago on our further listening Erasure episode we spoke about their cover of it, and it's so different, isn't it? Erasure, of course, leaning into the synths and the electronics. Duran Duran's take on it, much more a whole band sound, as you'd expect from them. Uh, but yeah, Supernature is a great cover. My two favourites are Psycho Killer and Spellbound. Psycho Killer, I think I'd heard a snippet of it before. I think they always merge songs into Girls on Film when they do it live, and I think they've done that before. But Spellbound for me, uh, originally by Suji, Suzy and the Banshees, not a song I was really too aware of, and their version I just I can't stop playing it. It's so good. Works so well. Do you think we'll get to see more of a tour of this album and these songs? Or do you think this will be something that comes back again next autumn with uh, deluxe or extra more tracks? I have thought about that, actually. They have said they're not going to tour it, which I think makes perfect sense because they've just come off the back of a huge tour for Future Past. I, I have thought, as people often do with Christmas albums the following year and releasing a special edition. Will we get that? I really hope so, because I'm sure there's a few more reworkings and covers or even maybe a new track or two that they could add to it. The thing is, though, it's a really, really, really exciting time to be a Duran Duran fan at the minute. It always is, of course, but even more so because one of the biggest things about this album is that Andy Taylor, of course, the original guitarist, he returned to play on the album. His first time playing on a Duran Duran album since... 2004's Astronaut which was when the five the Fab Five got back together not only do you have Andy Taylor on here though you have Warren Cucurullo as well he of course was their guitarist from 1990 to 2000 uh, and he plays on a couple of the tracks as well 
So it's the first time they've both featured on an album since 1986's Notorious, when Andy was kind of on, on his way out and Warren was on his way in. But in interviews about this, Andy and Duran Duran have both hinted that an album called Reportage, or Reportage, I don't never quite know how to say that, I've heard it said a few times. <laughs> Reportage. 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 Um, an album they made after Astronaut with Andy that was never finished. There's lots of talk about that getting finished. So I think it's more becoming more and more likely that we're going to get another Duran Duran album fairly soon. And as well as that, Andy has said that he'd love to do more with the band. He'd love to uh, do a tour where they play Rio in full. And when asked about that in interviews, Simon has been all over the idea. So there could be lots more to look forward to in the not too distant future. And this was another huge hit for the band where they've had lots, all their albums. After a few blip albums over the years, it didn't do too well. The last few have done very well. And this was number four album in the UK. So moving on then, our third favourite album of the year is Alison Goldfrapp and The Love Invention. So a bit of love invention there from Alison Goldfrapp from The Love Invention, her debut solo album. Now, of course, Alison Goldfrapp is someone we've been familiar with for many years. And we've spoken about Goldfrapp quite a few times on Track by Track. We celebrated 20 years of Felt Mountain, their debut album, which I think that was in 2020, at a time when the band were going to tour the album and play it in full. But 2020, of course, COVID happened and they had to push that back by a couple of years. And it's during that time that Alison decided to work on her first solo album. So, you know, COVID, not to love about it, but in a way, because of that, we now have our third favourite album of 2023. And this was an, an easy choice for me because I love Goldfrap. I love that this album, though, is very much Alison's where, yeah, there are definitely some moments in here where you think this could be Goldfrapp, but there are way more moments in here where you think this is a fantastic dance pop album, but also an, ex- an experimental dance music album as well. And I love the fact that this album was a collaboration between her with Richard X. Richard X, Mr. Fussy. Because he doesn't just work with anyone, does he? I'd imagine he would have been very keen to work with Alison Goldfrapp. Such an interesting artist with you know some very out there ideas uh influences and styles and approaches to music as well Uh, but what i think she's made is a very fresh sharp brilliantly produced album of dance pop songs that you wouldn't hear anybody else doing anything of this ilk no and I, I just love as well that with Goldfrap, we've heard some incredible pop dance music, of course, with Head First, Super Nature. But we've also heard some really quite introspective, folksy work as well. So with Alison going solo, it, it could have gone either way, really. And I'm sure mm. well, I know we both love that it went this way. And it was clear from the off when we've got that first single, Digging Deeper in January with Clapton, 
it was clear the direction she was going in. That was followed just the next month uh, by Fever with Paul Wolford uh, in February and two singles, two tracks with collaborators. And I'm going to say hats off to you, Will, because you knew what was going on here, didn't you? Yes, I did. I said to you at the time that those first two tracks that came out, I said these are remixes and there will be the the uh, classic versions of them will actually be the tracks on the album, even though they were the first things released. And it was true. But what I loved was that they were not necessarily remixes. They were collaborative reworkings. And we've now got the love reinvention, haven't we? Uh, a, a reimagined version of the album to enjoy. And we've already had a little taste of that time of recording uh, with every little drop. But uh, by the time this is out there, we will have the full uh, bucket load. Also, can't wait to see Alison live. I haven't seen the solo show yet. I love the fact that it includes some uh, gold trap tracks in the set list. But she's also performing at Mighty Hoopla next year. So that is going to be a treat. And this did really well in the UK as well, Will. This was number six in the UK. Okay, our second favourite album of the year. We've spoken to him and had a real giggle, actually. It is Jake Shears' Last Man Dancing. So that was a little bit of I Used To Be In Love from uh, Jake's album, which when we spoke to him and said to Jake that it was um, one of our favourite songs in the album, he seemed really surprised. Didn't he say that was his least favourite on the album? Mm. Which is just shocking. But it, it shows the quality of the whole thing, doesn't it? If a track that good can be his least favourite. And it is just as a collection, as a whole piece of work, it's phenomenal, isn't it? That's why it's our second favourite album of the year because I used to be in Love Plays such a big part in that. But Too Much Music, the lead single that we got from it is such an incredible pop funk track, such a nod back to Scissor Sisters and some of their disco early tracks. Devil Came Down the Dance Floor, of course, featuring Amber Martin on the lead vocals is potentially my favourite song on the album. It's just all gold and it all works so well. And then you get to that second half, don't you, of course, where the tracks merge into each other in a very kind of Scissor Sisters Nightwork way. Just, it, it blew me away this album. I love Jake Shears, love Scissor Sisters, enjoyed his debut solo album, but absolutely adored this. I love Jake's energy and passion. And when we spoke to him, the stories and kind of where these tracks came from shows you how personal it is to him. But the other, I just can't believe how much he's done over the last year alongside, well, for this album, but also alongside it and around it as well. And it was great to see him live, um, having the time of his life uh, performing. I saw him in Bristol and at Glastonbury this year. Uh, but I think what this album is for me is it's just super fun. It is a love letter to music itself as well. And I just love that continuous, the second half of the album being a much dance, much more dance driven, continuous mix. Uh, that is just a big party. 
and I don't know where, where does he get his energy from because he was literally on his way out the door to the airport to go and fly somewhere to perform but at the same time was still happy to give us as long as we needed to talk to all these tracks as well he must be constantly on the move well he must be as well because as well as promoting and releasing the album then he he did his own tour in the UK then he supported Duran Duran on their tour in the UK He's played the Mighty Hoopla, as you said, Glastonbury and lots of prides across uh, the country. And now he's starring in Cabaret as well as working on more music as he was in the studio, uh, I think, on the day we spoke to him before he was about to head out. So he's nonstop. But I think it's just because he's so passionate about it. He seemed, obviously, there's been a bit of a gap. There's five years between this and his debut solo album. Uh, and I almost feel like he has rediscovered his love for music. I can't wait to hear more music from him because I'm sure we've got more to come. And we joked about, you know, is there a deluxe version of the album coming uh, or more or a new album? And I think there's definitely going to be more to come. Yeah, he teased that he was working on a side three of the album, which I would be very up for. Uh, Of course, we've had loads of remixes as well from the likes of Errol Alken, Hi-Fi Sean and The Reflex. Um, So, yeah, I don't think we'll be waiting five years again for the next one. How did it do? This one, number 18 in the UK. Should have been a bit higher for my liking, actually. Okay, so we're about to talk about our number one album. And we've got some exciting news as well about uh, not just our number one album, but our top 10. Because last year we went then did a track by track through our number one album. But we're not going to do that this year, are we? We're not. Well, we might, but we're not immediately. This time, we're giving you the choice which of these albums... Would you like us to go track by track through? Now, of course, S.G. Lewis and Jake Shears are out of the competition because we've already been track by track through those, joined by the artists. But from the other eight albums, we're leaving it up to the patrons to decide which album we go track by track through. And also, of course, as with all new albums, uh, new episodes, sorry, it's going to be on Patreon first and for a good while until we unleash it to the rest of the world, shall we remind everyone of what we've heard so far? Yes, let's go for it. So our 10th favourite album of the year was Sparks with The Girl Who's Crying in Her Latte. Number nine is Depeche Mode with Memento Mori. Number eight, Jesse Ware, That Feels Good. At number seven is SG Lewis with Audio Lust and Higher Love. Uh, our sixth favourite was Everything But The Girl and Fuse. Five is Romy with Midair. Uh, four, Duran Duran, Dance Macabre. In third place, Alison Goldfrapp with The Love Invention. Uh, and at number two, Jake Shears with Last Man Dancing. So, Dan, who has our favourite album of the year? Our favourite album of 2023 Of course it is. Kylie Minogue and Tension. Yeah. 
So a bit of You Still Get Me High there, one of many incredible tracks on Tension, which is Kylie Minogue's 16th studio album and the first since 2020's disco. So just a short wait, really. And what I really love about Tension and this whole campaign, because it has been a phenomenal, incredibly exciting campaign, but I love that it wasn't long after disco, after all the lights had come up in the discotheque, and the disco campaign had come to an end, that Kylie started teasing us with what was coming next. And she spoke about something a little bit more electronic. She spoke about maybe Fever, uh, the album, and maybe Slow, the track, being kind of starting points for the next project. And I think she was true to her word because tension isn't disco. Disco, in a way, felt like a bit of a... um, a concept album almost, or like a celebration of disco music done in a very Kylie way. But Tension is very future thinking. Uh, it nods back to those earlier sounds, but tracks like the title track and, of course, Padam Padam, just totally fresh new sounds for Kylie. Yeah, it's a dance album, isn't it? And it is not afraid to be experimental. Uh, but at the same time, it's not afraid to be big and bold and for the masses as well. When you think about Padam Padam, the Padamic that that emerged culturally, that song had a huge impact and just stuck around forever. But was a great way to to herald a new era for Kylie. Um, almost a palate cleanser of a moment to take us into a more experimental uh, dance album. Uh, rather than just disco and yeah there's some disco elements um and some songs that could have been on disco but for the most part what you've got is a very generous album of different dance sounds and i say very generous because uh there was 11 tracks initially but then a deluxe edition made it 14 and a bonus deluxe edition made it 16 tracks and to be honest uh if we do talk about this album uh, at the moment i don't know where i would talk about the album artwork Good. As as you'd hope for on a number one album of the year. Also, well, I don't know which, you know, normally we just do the standard version of the album, but we'd miss out so much then. We would because uh, like track 12, which is on the deluxe edition, Love Train, I is it's, what a fun song, I might say, on the episode. But also it just feels like it was designed to be performed alongside Locomotion in some kind of mashup on tour. You can very, you could very easily seg the two together, um, and melody-wise, there are some similarities there without getting too technical because that's not us at all. Uh, but uh, also, actually, <laughs> Vegas High. Do you think that song was on the included on the album? So there was a direct connection for the performance of her residency. Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? I think. But love to see what's going on it's with still Vegas. a good song though it's a great even song. if it is a bit of a cash in yeah it's a great song um love seeing how well vegas is going for kylie would love to be that kylie if you're listening we have to put you at number one so if you want to fly us over to vegas yeah. for the show that'd be a real treat and virgin Air- airlines if you're listening as well mm. first class please you know what to do first class please but you know the vegas show's look incredible we've had some incredible live moments from kylie she pops up at the capital summertime ball to deliver padam padam and of course rightfully so because it was one of the songs of the summer it was so exciting to see that climbing of the charts and giving kylie her first top 10 for a few years and she's been popping up at american idol she's been all over the place the only thing we need now will 
It's attention tour. We need that announcement. We didn't get a disco tour. There was a pandemic. I get it. I'm, you know, it's fine. It's fine. But we need attention tour. I love how now with this album, Tension, and with Disco and with Golden, how every Kylie album is such a huge moment now. Wasn't always the case during the kind of, you know, uh, noughties and, and late 90s, but now she is riding so high. And I think it's just fantastic to see. And it's, you know, there are some artists that have had a long career that are still releasing music where maybe, you know, Maybe the innovation isn't there. Maybe they're just not as into it as they were before, but they're just keeping going. But with Kylie, she is just firing on all cylinders still at this point in her career. And I'm so happy for her. Mm. And I'm so glad that we're not just talking about Kylie as a legacy artist. We're talking about her as an artist who's making music that is relevant now. That's so good that even Radio 1 have to play it. They have to. They've got no choice in the matter. But yeah, the, the new stuff sounds so good. And of course, we've got to talk about some of the people behind that. You've got Bifko, you've got Karen Paul, you've got Cutfather, you've got Camille, you've got many, many more. Um, one thing that I've said for a while, and I would love for this to be true, is that, you know, you just said Kylie, not a legacy artist by any means. She's done the Glastonbury legend slot. But I think with material this strong and with a campaign this strong, I think Kylie could headline Glastonbury as she was originally intended to. And I'd love to see her doing that. I think she's, you know, think about some of the legends mm. that get to do that. We're talking about Madonna doing it. Um, Kylie's up there. I've, you know, no one's going to argue with me on that. Kylie should be headlining festivals. Kylie should be headlining Glastonbury. I wonder if that's ever happened where an artist, but I don't think it has, an artist who has done a legend slot has then returned to headline. I don't think it has. has been that kind of flip reverse on it i mean that would be a, a first kylie would des- could does de- kylie definitely deserves that first doesn't she she does she does also well thrilled to say this was a number one album in the uk also uh, of course disco released in 2020 was one of our albums of 2020 i think when kylie releases a new album there's pretty much a guarantee that's gonna be one of our albums of the year it is, but I like the fact that we're not shoehorning in because we feel like we still should be supporting her. She's right up there because the music's so good. And of course, we have extension now as well as tension uh, because some of these tracks are quite short and snappy. Uh, we can The production is gr- brilliant on here so we can enjoy the long length of all of these tracks uh, in extension. Yep, loving Obviously, we've got the love reinvention. We've got the extension, loving extended versions. I think you've said before, Will, about how much we both loved New Order's complete music. Because if a song is good, and particularly when there's electronics in that song, I think even more so, when that can be elongated and you can hear even more of the elements that make up the song, you know, it's even better. Keep it coming. So that's our top 10. Let us know what you think of our top 10. What's your top 10, actually? Not you, Dan, listeners, Virgil's. <laughs> uh, what's in your top 10 uh, albums of the year? Do let us know at Track by Track UK or on Patreon. And yes, don't forget, we want to know which of these albums, which of the eight albums that we haven't already been Track by Track through, do you want us to go Track by Track through? The episode will be released in two weeks and will be available on Patreon. Patreon so head there now and if you haven't already joined us on Patreon 
as soon as you join, you're going to get 90 plus episodes. You're going to get two exclusive series. You're going to get the chance to vote for episodes every single month. You're going to get new albums every single month that won't make their way onto other streaming services for years, to be quite honest with you. And all of that for about the price of a cup of coffee. Or maybe a little bit less in the current climate. If you're listening at time of episode release, coming soon is our top 30 songs of the year where we may hear from some of the artists we've talked about today. Uh, And if you're listening uh, at any other time, just check it out. It's already there. Yeah, enjoy it. I like the idea of someone listening to this in the middle of the year. Why not? So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us, uh, either by listening to the podcast across all podcasting platforms or supporting us on Patreon. Always appreciated. And we will we'll speak to you again soon. All right. All right, loves. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, I've been Dan. And I've been Will. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.